Welcome to the PHNX Coyotes podcast brought to you by the one and only DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top rated sportsbook app. Don't forget to hit that like button and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five star review. I'm Leah Merrill here with Craig Morgan and Steve Peters in a somewhat calmer environment than yesterday, but I had so much fun yesterday with the French Bulldogs of the Arizona Coyotes organization. If you haven't checked that one out, go over to PHNX Sports on YouTube because it was a blast. <laughs> I feel like everything's going to be anticlimactic after that show. A lot more calm, that's for sure. I know my dog was jealous when I got home. Smelling <laughs> shoes and my, he was not happy. My dogs are like, their noses were just glued to me everywhere I was going. <laughs> Where have you been, Craig? You've been oh, cheating. Man. Well, exactly. as this... As this week where the Coyotes have been off from playing games, at least, has been going on, we obviously did our French Bulldog show. We talked to Chris Peters earlier in the week about the draft and looking ahead at that. Um, And today on the website, Craig published a story, um, which is a monthly series checking in on Arizona Coyotes prospects. So we thought, you know, on the subject of looking ahead to the future, let's check in on the prospects that not only Craig wrote about today, but just a couple more notable names within the Coyotes organization. So let's start with the ones today from Craig's article, Ivan Prasvatov, who I would say a lot of Coyotes fans are familiar with. Um, he is actually currently up with the Coyotes. And then Carson Vantle and Sam Lipkin, maybe some names Coyotes fans aren't as familiar with. So let's start with Ivan Prasvatov and where he is in his development. You're muted, Craig. I know what yeah, I am. Yeah, media I am. that's welcome in media professional Craig S. That's Morgan. right. You know what? I was afraid like yesterday when I was wearing that uh, mobile mic uh, that I was going to turn it off accidentally or unplug it. And then I just, the entire show would be me just talking, <laughs> just yeah. being a mouth move. Or you pull, pull the, the Leslie Nielsen and take it into the bathroom with you. <laughs> <laughs> or or pull the and go into another show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So Prozvatov, obviously the still the top goaltending prospect in the organization. I, I you know, I, I know people are wondering when's he gonna be ready? When's he gonna be ready? Tap the brakes. He's 22. He's a goaltender. Goaltenders take longer to develop generally than other positions. Yes, there are some exceptions. There are a handful of guys that are able to step in and be impactful right away, but those guys are few and far between. It's part of the reason why you don't see a lot of goaltenders going in the first round. There are a lot of teams with a mantra that says you don't draft a goaltender in the first round unless you're so oversold on this guy being, uh, you know, a, a franchise changer. It's because they take a long time to develop. It's hard to project what these guys are going to look like five years down the road when maybe they're finally ready to take the step into the NHL. And and that's where Prozvatov is right now. If you look at his numbers. They're actually the worst numbers that he's posted in Tucson in, in three seasons. But look, g- goals against average and save percentage are garbage stats for goaltenders anyway. They're team stats. And in and, and large part, they do the, they do tell the tale of what's going on in Tucson. It hasn't been a good season for the Roadrunners. It's been a revolving door of players up and down with the Coyotes. There's been there have been a lot of challenges for them. And I think that's re- reflected in Ivan's numbers. Um I do wonder, however, in spite of them saying that, you know, I, I spoke to Charlie McTavish, who's the new Coyotes development coach, and he says he's, he just takes all this stuff in stride. He's got the right attitude about it. But I still wonder about Ivan, the, the same thing that I wonder about a lot of prospects. A few years down the road, 
what are we going to be saying about the impact of COVID on the development on a huge group of prospects in the NHL? Yeah, and you're right. This is a guy that, in one position more than any other in hockey where you need to play games is the goaltending position. And I think when you look at Ivan, his inability to get those games, whether he's on the taxi squad or sitting on the bench and putting the door for the Coyotes or with the American League shut down, his inability to get those games in and some of his most valuable growing development years, you're right. We'll, we'll look back in the, you know, and, and say, hey, this this definitely affected him. Or you know what? He, he battled through it because you – you go back through the Coyotes drafts and you talk about how long it takes and you go the three years prior to Prosvitov was the Aiden Hill draft. And it took Aiden Hill. like He was drafted three years prior and Aiden Hill still not an everyday goalie in this league. He's played a lot of games. Um, and his chance came in Arizona because of injuries. Without those injuries, I'm, Aiden Hill gets to play an extra year in the American League. So let's his numbers, let's take it with a grain of salt for, the, for exactly what Craig said. Let's let him play. And and the hope for the organization, and if you read Craig's article, the hope for the, for this, for Ivan, is to play in the American League again next year. Let's go, let him get down there and get great numbers. Let him be the guy. Let him get, you know, lead the league or top five in goaltending stats. I think he has it in him. He's unbelievably competitive. He's athletic. And he has played great in portions of his career. This is not his best season. He'll tell you that. The coaching staff will tell you that. And the sporadic up down, I, I think that has affected him absolutely. So let's get him solid in next year. Number one guy, you're the guy, and let's see what kind of numbers he can put up next year in the American League, because next year's Coyote team is going to be very similar to this year's team. It's a team that's not going to try to rack up a lot of wins. Is the is that a great atmosphere for a goalie that you're trying to develop for the future? Probably not. Yeah, it's so. Sorry, Craig. It's so interesting. You know, we throw out the word development a ton and I've, you know, it sounds great, but I've always often wondered, like, what does that even mean? And Craig, in your story, and I believe it was Charlie McTavish was the one with this quote about comparing it to Google Maps, yes. where like the first time you go somewhere, you're looking at the map the whole time. And then the second time you're looking at it half the time. And then the third and then eventually it gets to the point where you can get there without looking at the map at all. And I just thought that was a really great representation of what development looks like um and then my other note also on Prozatov being that he's 22 is there were first time NHL all-stars in the all-star game this year goaltenders in their mid-30s so I just think that's also something to consider when looking at goalies as well um that's just it doesn't age it's so different than any other position mm -hmm. It really is. And I also wonder, too, and I, I don't know. Listen, the, I think the overall philosophy in the Coyotes goaltending department is the same because Corey Schwab is still here. But I think you also have to take into account the fact that Brian DeCord left. So you don't have him overseeing the department anymore. And then Zach Burke, the, the goaltending development coach who oversaw the early years of Ivan Prozvatov's pro career, is also gone. So whether the philosophy is the same or not, it's still another voice who's going to have some of his own ideas. So Ivan has to absorb all of that as well. All of that, I think, plays a factor in his development and, and the timeline for him. I agree. And his time will come here. It, it will. He's going to get an opportunity to play for the Coyotes. He's got a few games sprinkled in right now. And you know, over time, there's injuries and other things that create opportunities for a player. It's going to be important that when he gets that opportunity for an extended period of time, that one, he's physically ready, emotionally ready, and he can step in and play. Because once you get that opportunity... And if you can prove yourself, then it's hard to send you back. So 
I still believe he is the goalie of the future. I really do. I mean, a lot of people here talk about Karel Vamelka. Karel's kind of learning on the fly here. He's, he's three years older than Ivan. Um, he's kind of thrown into the, the mix right away, thrown into the fire. Um, you know, we'll see where he ends up a year from now. I still think this team's going to try to sign Karel Vamelka. But who's your goalie three years from now when this is on the other side of the rebuild? I'd still look for Ivan Prosvitov. All right, let's dive in to Spencer Knight. Oh, oh, who said that? What did you say? What did oh, you say? Right. Get Spencer Knight. Oh right. yeah, <laughs> stirring yeah, the stir, stirring stir the that pot. pot. Oh go, my Craig. gosh, that should be like the entire tweet for the show. Are the Coyotes in on Spencer Knight? And that we actually didn't talk about it at all. Yeah, we just exactly. mentioned it for this five seconds here. All right, well, let's move on to Carson Mantle and Sam Lipkin. Um, honestly, two names that I wasn't familiar with. Um, so what can you tell us about those two, Craig? Let's start with Sam Lipkin because I, I have a – I think Coyotes fans have a particular interest in the Chicago Steel as well because Josh Doan came from that program. And if you talk to people, not just in the USHL – well, some of the USHL coaches might take issue with it, but you talk to people around the league, the Chicago Steel is the program in the USHL um, – their, their general manager, Ryan Hardy, of course, was just hired by the Maple Leafs last year. It's a shame because the Maple Leafs put all those guys under lock and key. You can never talk to him. Ryan Hardy was really insightful guy to talk to about their process. But the process remains the same that he put in place. Chicago really believes in the development side. And if you look at what they did with Josh Doan, the same thing is happening with Sam Lipkin. They bring the guy in in his first year. And instead of throwing him into the lineup, giving him a lot of games, seeing what happens, they spend a lot of time off the ice or in skill development, um, trying to get his body ready, trying to develop those skills away from the pressure of the game. He'll get some games, of course. Um, you know, and I mentioned the games that Josh Josh Doan played, still played 45 games in his first season in Chicago, but he didn't play them all. He missed eight to 10 games. Sam Litkin did the same thing. He only played 30 games in his first season with the Steel. The idea was to get these guys prepared, get their bodies prepared, get their skills prepared. And then in the second season, you saw what happened with Josh Doney at 31 goals and 70 points. He was third in the USHL in points. Well, Sam Lipkin's having a similar breakthrough season. He's got 19 goals and 42 points in 36 games so far. He's in 12th place on the USHL leaderboard. We're talking about a seventh round draft pick who was the second to last player taken in the 2021 NHL draft. And he's among the scoring leaders in the USHL. So it's a credit to the Steel's uh, development program, first of all. But I think the Coyotes, having been in on Josh Doan, saw, okay, this is a program that really knows what it's doing. Maybe we take a flyer on Sam Lipkin because we like a lot of other things about this kid. He's big, 6'2". He's already got a 200-foot game. He's very aware of things that are happening on the ice that sometimes other prospects don't take care of right away. And maybe the skills will come along. It's worth spending a seventh round draft pick on a guy who might be viewed as a higher draft pick after this season, given the production he's having. And, and Craig, that, that's a, you, you look at it from that perspective, specifically the Josh Doan perspective, because he goes undrafted in his first draft year. Well, if Sam Lipkin goes undrafted in his first year, where is Sam, Sam Lipkin drafted this summer? Mm -hmm. You know, is he a third? Is he, is he a third, fourth? Is he, is he a late second? I, I you don't know. And, and so I think what you, exactly what you said when, when the, the, the scouting team of the Coyotes goes, Hey, 
He's in the right place. They develop their players a little bit differently, a little bit later. This may be the exact path that Josh Doan is on. We could have stole Josh, Josh Doan a year ago it's in the sixth, seventh round. Let's do it with Lipkin. And, and you know what? Lipkin's a big kid. I mean, he's, he's a big physical body. He's going to, he's not going to be a guy that's going to be in the NHL next year. He's going to college. He's going out East to, to attend university. He's going to take the college yeah, path yeah. similar to Josh Doan. He's going to Quinnipiac, which is another solid hockey program. He's going to learn. He's going to practice a lot. And one thing about the college game versus the junior game, and we have this debate inside the coaches room often. I think the junior game is finally catching up to the development of those players. But the one thing the junior game did in Canada, you play a lot of games. It's very similar to the National Hockey League on their schedule, the way they play. The difference in, in the United States and in the, in the NCAA programs, you play Friday, Saturday. So you have an, an unbelievable excess of practice time, gym time. These guys would go in the football weight room with the football trainers, and they would develop on a different path than the junior players. Junior players play more games. NCAA players play half the games, but get more practice time. That is starting to change in, in, in the Canadian juniors where they are taking a higher value on the development of those players off the ice. So that is changing. But for a player that needs to develop physically, the NCAA is a perfect place. A couple things, Craig. This franchise, the Coyotes, in the last decade, so the last 10 years, they have drafted one player past the third round that has played any significant time. And we're talking 10 years. And if you go back to 2000, so you take 21 years of drafts, they've had nine players that played more than 100 games in the NHL. But of those players, you look at Dan Winnick, Keith Yandel, Mike Stone, and Connor Garland are the only players that played any significant time for this franchise. So you talk about a guy like Sam Lipkin at seventh round, maybe he is the next Dan Winnick, who was drafted in the ninth round. It happens, but it literally is like when lightning strikes. It is so rare past the third round to get a player to play significant time in this league. And that's where, and listen, we we don't see the fruits of their labor yet, and we won't for several years until these guys are producing in the NHL, but... That's where I think we're starting to see some signs of what this scouting staff can do, this experienced, complete scouting staff. And I have talked to you. I, I know I keep saying it, and it's, but it's not just hyperbola. Talk to people around the league about what they think of this scouting staff. Like the, the two coaches that I just talked to with the Chicago Steel and the University of Wisconsin have the same things to say about the Coyotes scouting staff. These are really experienced guys. They have invested in this resource like never before. And I think we're starting to see little hints, little signs, little little pieces of payoff because they invested those resources. That's what yeah. you want to hear <laughs> for sure. And you and you also always want to you want to be that team where you look back and you look at the Wikipedia of the draft from whatever year and you're like, that player was taken in that round. Like, you know, you want to be that team that it's like, oh yeah, like this team found the gem in the right. seventh round or the that's sixth round. That, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what that's what coyotes fans want. And especially with the plethora of draft picks coming, I think that that's what that's the dream and you see it now like even you look at last year's draft you look at ben mccartney and craig mentioned him in his article ben mccartney's a seventh round draft pick he's already played in the nhl he's got two games under his belt in the national hockey league and and i tell you what by the way that kid works and plays and he's going to get another crack is he an everyday player in the nhl well that's tbd but he's been there 
I mean, he's got two games as a seventh rounder, so it can happen. And you, Craig, again, another name, Craig, you brought up in your article, the defenseman. Yeah, J.J. Moser. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so the late picks, it doesn't have to be a first-round pick to play in the National Hockey League. And the important thing is you need those players from third round to seventh round. Somebody's got to play because you still need 20 players on the ice, and that's the surrounding cast you need to win. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You need to develop the depth. Yep. And, and I, I liked what Alex Henry, the Coyotes development coach, said about that draft process, the scouting process. One of the key ingredients, of course, is you need to know the character of the kid inside and out. And look, when you go into interviews with people in a, in a player's live, life, they're all going to say great things about them. You're going to hear lots of praise. They're going to heap all types of praise. You need to do your homework. You need to get in deep because if you're talking to the family, you're talking to the coach, you're talking to teachers, they're all going to want to build the kid up, right? Nobody's going to want to give you the full truth, but you got to find it. And if you know that this kid has a good work ethic, like Sam Lipkin and Carson Bounce have really shown, I, I love the quote. He said, Alex said, it's easier if you do your due diligence and place your bets where you think it will be fruitful you can get ahead of it and maybe end up with somebody that you don't know if they're going to put the work in or not. So that's a really important piece. And I think that just shows the experience of our scouting staff. So true. So important to have that ingredient. You need to find some metrics for measuring a kid's heart. Wow. That's a really great quote for sure. Um, really quickly, Carson Bantle, what can you tell us about him as well he was the other one mentioned yeah. focused on in your article today first of all big big kid like throwback power forward that you don't see a lot of especially someone look he's got to still work on his skating like all big kids he's got to he's got to work on his leg strength so that he can carry that frame around and be effective in the nhl which is becoming a faster and faster game every season but he's six feet five so he's just he's got this man's body already and I talked to Tony Granato, good Chicago boy, by the way, who played in the same organization as I did. Yeah, I said that. Um, Subtle flex. <laughs> wow. Coach right now. And I'm also a Badger, so another flex. Carson Bantle uh, had some shoulder issues early in the season, so he was out of the lineup. He played like a – I think Tony said he played a period plus against Minnesota Duluth. I think it was an exhibition game. Gets hurt. And that first period, Tony's like, we got a player here. This is a kid who has the size, goes to the dirty areas, but he can get up and down the ice, and he's got a subtle shot. And then he's out of the lineup for a while. But lately, he's really been coming on with them where he's almost a point-per-game player. Six goals and 12 points in his last 13 games for Wisconsin. He's been thrust into a role here after transferring from Michigan Tech where – Maybe you thought it was a little too early for him, but Wisconsin lost a lot of scoring. They had a lot of talent that they lost off the, the team last year. So he gets thrust into this role, and Tony sees him running with it, uh, especially lately. And part of that is, again, that piece that we just talked about. Uh, Alex Henry really thinks that this kid needs to work on his skating. He is a project. He's going to take some time. But apparently, I think, I think uh, Tony Granato's words were, he's obsessive about working out. And again, that's what you want to hear. You need to check into that to make sure the coach is being truthful with you. But it sounds like, you know, from what Alex has seen in his progression from early in the season to now that he's absolutely doing that. And the other thing you talk about is you're talking about a guy that's six foot five playing on the wing. 
Like, okay, this is the guy that you can take and be a little patient with because those players at that size are, are very, very rare. And you've talked about in your article where Bill Armstrong is looking to build that kind of a heavy team, not a team that's going to put you through the glass, but a team that can physically protect the puck and possess the puck and a body and a guy the size of Carson Bantle can fill that role. So as a Coyote fan, again, as another guy, he's not playing next year. He's not going to be there the year after. He's got four years of college to grow, mature, learn. He can learn to, he can work on his skating and work on filling out that frame at six foot five. So that when he's at the end of that road, you go, Oh my God, where's this guy been? Um, just another name to put in the back of your hat that maybe he's a guy that ends up here in a few years. He's got some soft hands too, which, wow. Imagine him in front of the net. Absolutely. That's someone to keep an eye on for sure. And some other players that we're keeping an eye on, let's just do quick hitters, checking in on how these prospects are doing. Um, Josh Doan with ASU had is having a great freshman season. Unfortunately, the team itself doesn't look like it's going to go much further into a playoff run. But Josh Doan, let's check in on his stats. For yeah, 11 year. goals and 33 points in 31 games. So he's he's more than a point-per-game player, which is really nice to see in his first season. And again, continuing this trend, he had the breakout <clears> season with Steele. He moves to NCAA hockey and think, well, you know, he might need a year to adjust to the college game. It, it hasn't taken him a year. He's he's already become a dominant player at at, at ASU in his first season. And, and again, like you said, Leah, the team is not having a great year, but Josh Doan is leading all freshmen in the nation in points right now. So that's a really good sign. Very good sign. All right. Um, Dylan Gunther, another name that Coyotes fans have on their radar for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and on a tear now, like uh, 28 goals, 57 points in 39 games. I know he got off to a little bit of a slow start because they were transitioning him to the center position, but He's just tearing it up now. He's doing everything that you want to see one of your top prospects doing in the WHL. Well, it's going to be interesting to see, though, what happens to him next year. Where, where does his development path lead? And I don't think he's going to be here. It's going to really be an interesting don't. training camp. And, and can the kid come in here and force him to make a decision? Or is he is he going back to junior? But the other thing, Petey, is do you want him here? Do you yeah. want him in that environment? I don't know. It's going to be uh, a tough decision. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we don't have to make that one, luckily. Um, <laughs> Matias Michelli, who actually we will be going to Tucson next Saturday, February 26th. Um, so if you are going to be, if you live in Tucson or want to make the trip down to Tucson, come to that game, February 26th. Um, and maybe we'll get the chance to even talk to Michelli. Um, he's having a great season down in Tucson. Where is he in terms of stats? Yeah, it's more he's a breakout season for Michelli. I mean, he's, he's averaging over a point a game. He's got 48 points in 38 games. He's third in the American League in scoring, leads the Tucson Roadrunner in scoring, has been player of the week on multiple occasions in the American Hockey League. Fantastic, <clears throat> excuse me, fantastic development path here. Unfortunately, is one opportunity where he looked like he was going to finally crack the Coyote lineup and get his first NHL game. He enters COVID 19 protocol and is unable to play. So, He'll have to put that off for a, another time. And again, Craig brought it up earlier. If, if the trade deadline happens and there's some opportunities for guys to to join this expanded roster for the Coyotes, maybe Michelli's opportunity comes later this season. What do you do in Tucson in that situation, PD? I was going to ask you this because the you know the unique playoff format where seven teams out of the Pacific are going to make the playoffs this year. 
I, I still, I'm not sure that the Roadrunners are going to be in that position. But if you are in a position to make the playoffs as that last team in, do you how how important is that to put him in that situation versus bringing him up on the expanded roster? My opinion, which again we've shown how important that is, <laughs> I think it's important to have that player in the American League seeing playoff action. I think those games are important. I think they're they're a different level of games, a different level of competition, a different level of preparation. Having him be in that atmosphere in an American Hockey League playoff situation versus coming up here and playing an NHL game that is virtually meaningless other than he's getting some time to play against that faster competition, I think it's much more important for him to play in an American League playoffs. And hopefully they are competing for that. And not just Michelli. We talked about it at the top of the show. That's incredibly important for Prosvitov to see what playoff action is like. And can he elevate his game during that time? Because a goalie can steal a playoff series. And you can go from seventh and find yourself um, with a heck of a playoff push if you get great goaltending. Um, two more Quickly before we move on, Victor Soderstrom and Jan Unique. Yeah, I wanted to ask you guys actually because you've been doing down the I ten, and I, I know you've been talking to the coaching staff a lot. What's their sense? I mean, to me from the outside, I, I don't like where Victor Soderstrom is right now in his development. Jan Unique is, is is producing, so he might be a little farther along, but I'm I'm not sure that Victor Soderstrom is progressing like the Coyotes would want right now. You know, one thing with Yannick, he's a different player. He plays on the edge. He's a little bit of a disturber on the ice. I mean, he, he's still getting his points. He got 11 goals through 32 games. He's third on the team in scoring. I think his development is, is on track. He, he's got a taste of the National Hockey League. He knows what he needs to do to prepare. He's going to have that Michael Bunting moment where he, he goes, okay, maybe I got to stop causing all this havoc and play the game. And I find that fine line that Michael Bunting took years to find. Even Connor Garland to some extent, where you finally figure it out. And I think Yannick's in, in, in a good spot where he is. I think he's going to be fine. He's going to play games in the league. Soderstrom, you wonder, because you're looking at a, a high-end offensive defenseman. At least that's what you drafted and we're hoping for. And in his glimpses here... Up at the big club, he has shown moments, especially on the power play, where he can move the puck, where he has room to skate. He can make that offensive play. When it's five on five and he has to go dig a puck out of the corner, maybe he's not first to the puck anymore. Or he hasn't been able to show that that elite puck-moving skill when it's five on five. And even on his team now, you got Deneen, Klyachonik, Mosier, all ahead of Soderstrom in scoring. Yeah, it, it's, it's a concern. It's going to be a huge summer for Victor Soderstrom on where he fits because there are some defensemen that will no longer be on the Coyotes roster a year from now. And can he jump up and grab one of those? He's going to have to have a heck of a summer. He's going to have to work on his physical physical. He's going to have to get bigger, bigger and stronger. And some way he's going to have to figure out a way if he can't get quicker and faster, he's going to have to be able to make quicker decisions so he can get out of situations that are causing him trouble right now. I want to check in on him at some point and you know he's he's probably going to be in my next prospect report or one of the next two I sort of wanted to get him a, a full season under his belt and I you know I look at some of the some of the stats that I actually don't like that much like plus minus he's even on a team that hasn't had success so I wonder how much of the focus has been on becoming a better defensive player more responsible away from the puck and in zone end and that's all well and good but like you said Petey this guy is he's here to produce offense and run a power play. And I just haven't seen that dynamic element from him. And I, I wonder what the coaches will say after a full season in Tucson about that. 
even with Capabianco, who was on that same path when he was in Tucson, when when Kyle Capabianco was on his game in Tucson in the American League, he was high, high end offensive skill. Like he was elite. Like some of the games you'd watch him play on in Tucson, you were amazed. And you go, why isn't this kid in the National Hockey League? And he, to this point, he hasn't quite been able to translate that that offensive powerhouse game that he played down there to the National Hockey League. Will he? I mean, his, his window's getting shorter as well, but 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 with Victor, you just haven't seen him dominate the game offensively, and and that's what you'd like to see before he becomes a full-time um, player in the National Hockey League. Well, the future of these players, I don't know if you can bet on. On the DraftKings Sportsbook app, you can bet on team futures. You can bet on player individual awards who are currently playing in the NHL, among other things. So if you want to get in on that or any sort of other betting from olympics to hockey to and everything in between um sign up for the DraftKings sportsbook app use that promo code phnx when you sign up and if you bet one dollar on any nba team to win you'll get 150 dollars in free bets if they do um, existing customers can bet on the nba with same game parlays so you can combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout super easy to use and safe secure and reliable um, it's the best sports betting app out there so when you sign up use that promo code phnx spend a dollar on any nba team and get 150 dollars in free bets if they win i think it's the all-star break right now but when when they come back be sure to do that um, that's 21 and over arizona only gambling problem call 1-800 next step new customers only Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And looking ahead to tomorrow already, that week went by really quick <laughs> with the Coyotes being off games. The Coyotes are playing in LA, and we'll talk a little bit about LA, but just tying into the conversation around prospects, Barrett Hayton is returning to the lineup tomorrow. I, is that confirmed? Not they, they, they may confirm that today or even okay. Day, but that's I mean everything is trending that, that. yeah he, he's been practicing they expect him to play so kind of bridging our conversations from prospects to the game tomorrow and Barrett Hayton being that bridge what are, what are our thoughts on Barrett Hayton I personally I mean I know he's had injury trouble but he's not making the impact that I think we would have wanted him to make and I think also all three of us before the season started thought he wouldn't even make the Coyotes full-time this season like he kind of has been for the most part yeah I I, I, don't, I, don't, I know PD has thoughts on this too but I, I wondered many times if the best path for Barrett and Hayton was just to get a full season in the AHL and develop I cannot think of a player in recent Coyotes history who has had a more disjointed development path than Barrett Hayton has had for the last three seasons yeah, you look at his first year in Arizona. Is that the year he would have gone back to the Sioux Greyhounds? And should he have gone back as a number five pick overall? I mean, hindsight, we've talked about it when we had Chris Peters on. Hindsight's twenty twenty, especially when you're referencing the draft. The expectations of Barrett Hayton coming into that, <clears throat> that season here from management and the coaching staff was extremely high. I don't know if he... if. If they were set the bar a little bit higher than what they what they maybe should have been at the time, does Barrett Hayton need to go back to the Sioux Greyhounds and dominate? His last year there, he played 39 games, had 26 goals. And you've seen high draft picks dominate, where they're getting two points a game in, in juniors. I don't know if Barrett ever got to do that. He, he achieved great things at the World Junior Championships. He was 
you know, a dominant player for Team Canada, gets the, the gold medal winning goal for that team. So he did some good things internationally. You just would like to have seen that success. So then he comes here to Arizona, plays 20 games that first year, gets one goal, again, below expectations, but he gets hurt again. And so you're wondering about the – he it's so disjointed. He's spending time in Tucson. He's spending time in Arizona, and he's hurt. That kind of seems to be the pattern that he's been on right now. What is the bar for Barrett Hayton now? Uh, right now, you hope he can become an everyday NHL player. Is he going to be a number one center for this team? Well, if you look at the drafts over the next two years and where the Coyotes could slot in, Barrett Hayton probably isn't going to be that number one center that he was drafted to become. Um, now, can he still be an everyday player playing in that three-hole, play a 200-foot game, become an important piece to a surrounding cast that helps the team win? I think the answer is yes, he can. Um, will he? Because we talked about Tampa Bay. You talk about these teams you need to build to win. You need to have 20 players on the ice. You need to have smart players that can play in different situations and provide different things in different situations. So Barrett Hayton can definitely be a guy that's a 200-foot player, defensive responsibilities, can kill penalties, win draws. Can he evolve into that player instead of being the number one center playmaker that they were hoping he would be? I think it's imperative if you want to win, if you can slot him into the three-hole, you are putting him in a place where he can have success. <sighs> Coming off this injury, he is going to just have to work hard to show he belongs in the National Hockey League for this next 30 games. There is still a level of concern on what what and where Barrett Hayton's career ends up. Yeah, and I think he's responsible. He's a responsible player away from the puck, and we see that side of his game coming along, but you just haven't seen the dynamic offensive ability from him. So maybe... Again, I I don't know how much his development path has impacted all of that. I certainly think it has had an impact. And maybe if he had been in a different situation, he'd be thriving. I don't know. But again, like we've talked about this before, and you just mentioned it again, Petey. If, if Barrett Hayton just becomes your number three center, okay, you still need that position. It's still a really important position. You talk about top nine in the NHL now, not, not top six, really. Uh, and then you're, you know you need at least three lines producing offense in the NHL these days. So if, if he becomes that guy, okay, I know it's not what expectations were initially, but you still need, you still need to fill those spots. Agreed. Well, we'll keep everyone posted if he will be back in the lineup tomorrow and wish the best for him going forward for the rest of the season. And maybe it'll be also one of those things where after the trade deadline, where all these players are gone, that he'll have that opportunity to step up and be more offensively productive. So keeping tabs on that, let's talk about the game tomorrow. I think the LA Kings surprised a lot of people this year with how good they've been better ahead of schedule, if you will. Um, they obviously were extremely successful in the, you know, early 2010s and kind of had a bit of a dip, kind of a rebuild, not really kind of a rushed rebuild. Um, Surprising, at least to me, and they also have a lot of great prospects. And one of those prospects is Quinton Byfield, who actually got injured in a game, a preseason game against the Coyotes, and he is finally back um, from that fractured ankle. So thoughts on L.A. and thoughts on tomorrow night's matchup. What strikes me about the Kings is I don't feel like those young prospects that we talked about, you know, this is one of those teams that – we talk about their their really good system. I don't feel like those guys have been a major part of this 
unexpected season for the Kings. uh, Quinton Byfield obviously missed a ton of time with the fractured ankle, but then guys like Rasmus Kapari, Arthur Kaliev, Alex Turcotte, they really haven't delivered big numbers yet. They haven't been major offensive producers. Really what's driving this still is Andre Kopitar is having another really good season. Drew Doughty's having another good season. And then a, a couple deals that they make, you know, they, they get Victor Arvidsson in a trade from Nashville and they, and they sign Philip Deneau from Montreal, a, a move that as it turns out really impacted Montreal. And those guys are, those, those have been key pieces for them in this success. I wonder I guess I wonder how LA feels about this. Maybe you feel like, okay, we're bringing those guys along slowly and we still have faith that they're going to produce. But what if they don't? Is this sort of false hope for the Kings that it's your older players that are doing it and they have uh, a short shelf life? Then what happens? It's hard when you talk about a team like the LA Kings, when you go to win a cup, you sacrifice your future. It's just part of the way the system works. You draft away draft picks to get picks at the trade deadline to help you win the cup now. LA went through that period. Now they're to the point where they're developing those prospects. The young guys, the cupboards are getting full for the LA Kings. And that's honestly one of the reasons their name comes up. That team comes up when you talk about Jacob Chikrin, because they do have some of these assets in the cupboard right now that are available to trade. But what made the difference, Craig, you alluded to it, is is what made this team better this year is the guys they acquired, Arvidsson, Kempe, you go down the list. Ayafalo is an undrafted college player. Trevor Moore is in their top 10 undrafted college player. Philip Daniel, Victor Arvidsson, they get acquired from other teams that were playing well at the time. You have to go way down the list to come up with other, <clears throat> to Kaliev and to get to those names like Lazat and Kaliev that you were expecting to be at the top. Quinton Byfield maybe would have had a different season if he doesn't break his ankle against the Coyotes early in preseason. Maybe he's having a different, different season than he has. He has one goal in eight games. He is probably their brightest young star when you look at the LA Kings. But this is something for Coyotes fans to look at, is how they built their team. Well, the, their leader is still Andre Kopitar, and it's still Drew Doughty. So you can talk about the future of the Coyotes and we got all these draft picks, but if you want to win and you want to get on a path to make the playoffs again, you still need those players like Andre Kopitar and Drew Doughty to get you over the hump. So we say Barrett Hayden at a third line center role. Yes, that's okay. As long as they're everyday players, you are still going to need to surround this young cast with experienced NHL players. This LA team right now is playing extremely well. They play 200 feet. They can play physical if they need to. They get to the net extremely hard, and we've talked about how the Arizona Coyotes team defends. As as I watch this game from a coaching perspective, the biggest fear I have is the net front around the Arizona Coyotes goal. This team drives the net extremely well. They pick a lot of their goals up from inside the hash marks. They get to the net hard, and the other thing they do extremely well is they tip pucks from shots taken by defensemen. Um, When Carter used to be probably the best in the league at L.A. doing the skating through the hash marks, tipping a puck, and having it change directions before it gets the goal. This team may be the best team in the NHL at doing that. Not tight to the goalie, but about hash marks to the top of the circle, little wrist shots, tips. Kaidos need to defend their net better, I guess, is the point. They need to defend their net front better against the LA Kings team or they're going to be in trouble. PD, what do you make of the Kings' young players not producing yet, though? Does that concern you, that they're not a, a, not a huge part of this success? It does because the narrative there is still look at our young players. It still is. And it's look how we're having the success. We developed our young talent. But when you look inside the numbers, it really isn't those guys that are that are providing the push to get this team into the playoffs for the first time in years. They're the guys that are playing in the bottom six. 
there has to be a concern. Um, if you get the, those players like Quentin Vifield becomes a top six guy for them and Lazad, you get, you get him moving again, maybe, but it's absolutely a concern, but you need to see what would be great for this team in their development stage right now is to get this team in the playoffs, whether it's a one and done just to get that taste. And now you can build on that for the following season. So there is still things that they can develop, but you're right. Those young players are not developing as quickly as they would have anticipated for this Kings team. So if you're Bill Armstrong and you're thinking about LA as one of your trade partners for Jacob Chikrin, what's your take on those prospects versus a team like the Florida Panthers where you have Spencer Knight or you have Anton Lundell? Again, let's talk about timing. Do you want to get a guy that's that's you think is still on his – the ceiling is very high as a young prospect in L.A. that you think you can develop into an everyday player in the National Hockey League or do you look to the quicker rebuild? I tell you what, Spencer Knight can play. His numbers are there. He's going to be a very, very good goaltender in the NHL. And unfortunately for Ivan Prosvitov, that depth chart gets a lot different if you trade for Spencer Knight. You trade for Spencer Knight, this team becomes a legitimate <clears throat> threat much sooner than the than the plan had been. And there's where you have to be careful. Do you get Spencer yeah. Knight in here next year for a team that is again going to be built with, you know, like broken pieces like a Frankenstein monster? You're going to get guys that are one year and done and you're is that good for Spencer Knight's development? Does he take a big step backwards um, because he's going to lose a lot more games? Mm. Or conversely, does it speed up the rebuild and go, oh, shit, now we can win. We've got good goal. Like, like a New York Rangers rebuild. Right. Do you go faster now? Because you see Keller's <laughs> playing Bedard above Bedard. what you want. <laughs> yeah, you get you get Shane Wright and you miss out on Bedard. Maybe you get Bedard. And then or Cooley. <laughs> Logan Cooley, who just committed to the University of Minnesota yesterday, by the way which is interesting because we just talked to him. So it does change the path of your rebuild if you make a deal for a Spencer Knight versus going to a prospect LA. Yeah. And, and Craig, ultimately, I still believe, I still believe that Jacob Chikrin is here the day after the trade deadline. Interesting. I love that but, Craig is stirring this pod today. I yeah, love like, it. Craig, like we should start keeping a track of how many times I'm wrong. It's a well, lot. Here's the thing though with Chikrin. I mean, do you remember <laughs> how long ago People started talking about him. Let's see, I think it was, it might have even been late December when Jacob Chickman's name for a service said, trade talks are heating up. Trade talks are heating up. We're in late February now and nothing's happened. Heating up? My God. Yeah, I don't yeah. think they're heating up at all. I, and I think that's Bill Armstrong's plan. Like he, he said, here's the price. It's putting that first sale sign in front of your house at $200,000 over asking. Here's a price. <laughs> if you want to buy my house, buy my house. Otherwise, I'm going to live here. And I think that that's where you're at with Jacob Chikrin. It's you want him, you can pay for it. But in the meantime, yep. he, he's our defenseman. And I think when you talk about a quicker rebuild and what the plan is, Jacob Chikrin can definitely be a part of a rebuild. I mean, he's still young enough. You talk about Keller, Schmaltz is still young. Kraus is still young. There's still players that you're going to need to be that Andre Kopitar player three, four years from now. So, yeah, set the price high. You get the price great. You speed up your rebuild. If you don't, he's a guy that'll be there when you're ready to win. Oh, Bill Armstrong's in the right state to charge more than he probably should for uh, <laughs> no kidding. real estate. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. My I look God. at the standings right now. And and you know, you when you talk about I agree, playoff playoff experience is so valuable for young players to get a taste of that. The West is a dogfight right now. It is a dogfight. I mean, I, when I look at teams that are in, Colorado is obviously in, and I think Minnesota, St. Louis, and Calgary are in. I'm not even sure about Vegas right now. They're trying to work Jack Eichel into the lineup. Mark Stone's out. Robin Leonard had the injury. 
they're barely above the playoff cutoff line here now. So you're talking about Vegas, Edmonton, Nashville, L.A., Anaheim, Dallas, Winnipeg, and Vancouver all within, what is it, seven points of each other right now. That's a crazy race in the West. Those are a lot of teams, and and a bunch of them are going to be left out in the cold when the playoffs start. Yeah, it's interesting because we, we I, I'm one of those people that kind of wrote Vancouver off, and they went on the Bruce, there it is, run, and now they're kind of back in it. They're still five points out, with the, and Edmonton has two games in hand on them. Edmonton's getting a boost from their coach. How long will that last? Vegas is the one that surprises me. Calgary makes a move um, to get Tyler Toffoli, which I think is a great move by Brad Treliving. He adds additional scoring. That team, to me, when Calgary was here, that top line is the best line we've seen all season play in Arizona. Um, Calgary, I think, is for real. Their goaltending is there. Calgary makes the playoffs. Vegas, to me, is like, what are they doing? Like, what is, what is your plan? we got all these guys on LTR. you got to fit Eichel in under the cap, are they? They're clearly going to have to sell. They're not buying at the trade deadline because they can't take on any more contracts, any more money. So they're not going to get that boost of additional players at the trade deadline when most of these good teams are going to try to add a piece. Vegas is going to get rid of a piece, maybe two pieces. Yep. So there is a concern there. And what happens, and we talk about coaching contracts, what the hell happens to Pete DeBoer if this team doesn't make the playoffs? Not just doesn't win. If they don't make the playoffs, uh-oh. No, I think it's gone. If they this don't team doesn't. Well. There's no patience by this owner here. There's and no we question. Wondered, you know, about Vegas because of the way that they constructed this roster. Uh, I don't know. We got a cat on the show now. <laughs> Audio only. Meow. Sorry, but I was going to say uh, we had talked before about Vegas. Their window is tight, right? They've got a lot of players that are up there in years. So imagine this scenario where you can't work Eichel in in time. You miss the playoffs because Mark Stone's still out. And then you're just getting older and older. Imagine Jack Eichel coming into that situation. And then suddenly Vegas's window is closing. And where do you think the blame's going to fall? It's not just going to fall on Pete DeBoer. Oh, it's look, it's Jack Eichel again, ruining another franchise. And they traded Peyton Krebs away. So you lost your future to get him and you got to win now. Yeah, and I'm no being a realist. You look at this team, their best prospect is Peyton Krebs. He is now a member of the Buffalo Sabres. So you look at Vegas. And I'll be honest, they're fortunate this year that the Pacific Division sucks because yes. I still think Vegas Vegas is going to get in. They'll finish top three in the Pacific, but there will be two central teams that get in that more than likely have more points than the Vegas Golden Knights. Then they will be the wildcard teams. That's just my guess, and we'll go back to our prediction show later. Vegas will creep in. They're not going to roar in like they were anticipating. I just imagine a future five years down the road where Vegas is – not making the playoffs every year like they have been. And the Coyotes are, and it's a, a reverse in the desert duel that the Coyotes are the team that, are, oh, the Coyotes will make the playoffs. Vegas, I don't know, fringe team. I just dream it's for that day. That, he is wheel of fantasy. That's my wheel of fantasy moment <laughs> for that. Well, we will be back for a post-game show after the game. It feels like ages since we've done one um, post-game show on the PHNX Sports YouTube channel. We mentioned Craig's prospect report. If you want to read it, go to P go phnx.com. Become a member today. If you're not already, you can sign up for a year and get a shirt. Um, the Phoenix Rising shirts are starting to ship out. So if you ordered one of those, check your mailbox soon. Um, lots of great stuff in the PHNX locker and lots of great stuff at gophnx.com. I mentioned earlier, we'll be in Tucson next Saturday. So Ooh. more to come on that. We're super excited to literally go down the I-10. Sorry. 
What? El Charo. Yes. Are we going to let Craig on the Zamboni on the trip down the I-10? <laughs> he's got to hang on the back. I don't know if you guys, you guys probably haven't done that. Have you ridden on a Zamboni before? I ha- actually have not. Craig? I have driven the Zamboni, Petey. Wow. Well, I got my license when I was 16. I got my, drove my car to the arena and drove the Zamboni that same day. So, yeah. I. But when you're the third person on the Zamboni, a lot of times you have to stand on where the water comes out and you have to stand <laughs> yeah, yeah. there. That's where Craig's going to have to go. Down the I ten, well, and I had in Tucson. I don't know if it's the same guy still working there, but one of the like ice guys in Tucson. One time, I was standing next to him, and a puck like came over the glass and hit him in the head, and he was bleeding. <laughs> and then every no. time, yes, and then every time I stood by him, pucks would come over the glass. So it like got to the point where every time he saw me come near, he was like, "I have to like go away from you because pucks would just like almost hit him or hit him when I stood near him." So because of you. He's, yeah, because that well, he Craig, thought you it get was to sit next to Leah on our trip down. By the way, then when you're <laughs> watching the game, you get to sit by Leah. I'm going to sit that one up. But I will tell you this: what I'm looking forward to most, other than seeing Michelli and Unique and some of these players play live for the first time this season, which I am looking forward to, um, I will be the first in line. Leah will be second at the donut stand. And oh, Craig, yes. if you have not experienced donuts at the TCC, it is a thing to behold. They have different they have drizzles they have sprinkles they have fl- it's an absolute <laughs> the smell, wonder the smell like is wonder. everything honor garland's wonderland right uh, I, I tell you what i might take my stool for the show and set it right by the donut stand don't be we'll surprised. do what we'll do a, sh- a show live from the donut stand. Trip. right after el Charo eating donuts i know <laughs> this it's every well we're gonna do we're just gonna go down there and eat which is fine. Yeah, we need Let's to go honest, for like. That's why we're going. Yeah, we need to go for like three days if we want to go to all the places we want to eat. Maybe they so. make the playoffs and we do a playoff edition. Oh, there we and go. Return. Be a lot we of stay fun. for a stay for a two game series and then we can really eat. If you guys <laughs> add me to the down the I ten uh, graphic, it should be like holding a rope off off the back. <laughs> Great idea. Great idea. Skiing down. That's actually brilliant. That's Get on funny. Arnold with that. Arnold. <laughs> behind. Oh man. All, all right. right. Well, thanks so much for listening, everyone. Be sure to like and subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our PHNX Sports YouTube channel as well. We will see everyone tomorrow night after the LA Kings game. And until then, have a great Friday. And we'll see everyone tomorrow.